Welcome to Scream Quest, a offshoot of our main podcast, which is called Screen Quest, a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts play film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Mae Finch. Boo. <laughs> it's the most unenthusiastic boo <laughs> I think I've ever heard. <laughs> Work on it. <laughs> and we have Will Rotondi. <laughs> See, that uh, gave me chills. Yeah, that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> Will understood the assignment. <laughs> on our very special Halloween episode, we are going to be talking about 1982's the Thing, starring Kurt Russell, Keith <laughs> David, and Mr. Diabetes himself, Wilford Brimley. <laughs> but first, we're going to have a little horror-themed side quest and see what we get here in our final episode of Scream Quest for 2023. Here we go. Ah, okay, so... This is actually one that uh, our guest earlier in the month did, which is that's going to leave a mark. Uh, so we're going to talk about a horror film that left a permanent impression. Um, I would imagine probably in a uh, scary or traumatic way. So we'll take turns. We'll go around the room. Uh, <laughs> mine is like, I think that, like it's, I wonder how this film would have uh will have held up i probably should watch it because it's been a long time but the first time i can remember being truly terrified watching a film that was like appropriate for a younger child uh was the original blob so not the remake mm-hmm. in the 80s which was quite gory but the original like 1950s steve mcqueen film uh which is in the criterion collection so it must be good right Criterion doesn't put garbage in there um but I think it was kind of meant to be a little bit like goofy and funny. But the idea that you had this like substance that could get like pretty much in anywhere because it's it's just a, it's a goop, right? It's a slime essentially that crawls around and that it would literally digest you by getting onto your skin and it was impossible to get off. And then once it digested you, it got bigger and bigger and bigger. It, it's It really freaked me out as a kid. Um, like to the point where like, I, I still don't like gooey slimy stuff, you know, like when I see it, like I'm not a big fan (laughs) of like slime molds and stuff like that kind of creep me out, um, specifically because of that film. So yeah, I don't know if it's held up well or like what I would think of it now, but as a kid, it really did scare me, particularly because like, it was like your only option was to like amputate a limb. Like if it got on your hand, like you better cut that, cut it off. Otherwise like you're, you're toast. Chris, how do you feel about those like hydrating face masks that are all slimy <laughs> and slippery? Uh, that stuff doesn't bother me. At, like, it doesn't bother me as much. <laughs> but yeah, um, they kind of did like um, like as a child, um, it wasn't nearly as effective. They had a, a, a Goosebumps book called Monster Blood that I think was kind of like a blob ripoff, mm. if I remember right. It's been a while. I don't know if it was quite as grim as the uh, as the film. Um, I've never seen the remake, but I know it's very bloody. I, I saw a clip where some guy, like, I don't know, like, 
what the context i think it was like a meme or something but a guy like reaches into his girlfriend's shirt to like grab a boob and then like like the whole tit just caves in and there's just like the blob is like eating his hand <laughs> we'll see if i can put that on so yeah they made a very gory remake for like the 80s that um i think is well regarded um believe it or not but uh but yeah, that original like black and white one was uh, was truly terrifying, at least for like six year old me. So that's my example. Well, I I can go next. I have a very lame one because uh, what I what I was allowed to watch growing up was fairly random. I think I talked last year about like watching Stargate and like Stargate Atlantis and that freaking me out because I was very young and that's not necessarily appropriate. <laughs> um. But uh, flip side, I also got super like scared watching Hocus Pocus of all things. And I think I was older than I was when I was watching like Stargate. <laughs> so I don't know. Witches that are like kind of evil, mostly just kind of hokey and creepy. Or alien parasites that live in your body. Apparently the hokey witches were scarier for, for young May. I don't know why, but um i remember watching it with some friends and then thinking it was like the coolest thing and loving the witches i was just like they're so mean and terrible <laughs> yeah they are to, in your defense like <laughs> sucking the life force out of children you know yeah maybe like, that's why it's, i felt targeted as a child <laughs> <laughs> and the friends showing me this were older still children but they were older than me <laughs> sure <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably answer. fair. Yeah. I was thinking about when the cat got run over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks. But that was really... Yeah. Then he just pops back up and it's all good. Yeah, like, oh, he's okay. <laughs> if only. But man, yeah. I think that's probably what stood out to me the most, I remember, from that film. I didn't realize until... I watched it uh, a couple years ago that Doug Jones is the, the zombie man. Like, oh, you know, the nice. guy that's got his mouth sewn shut and is like, Ugh. like that's Doug Jones, like in probably like one of his earlier roles. Nice. Doug Jones, the big tall, lanky guy that's like always the tall, lanky <laughs> like creature in like any Guillermo del Toro film or, you know, sci fi mm -hmm. stuff. I think he's in Star Trek Discovery is like the like the alien uh, science officer. Yeah. All right, guys. I guess I have to say something, and it can't be ET. I know as much as I want to. <laughs> um, I do. I, you know, kind of off of that though. I think to me, the idea of an alien abduction was probably what used to freak me out the most as a kid that I would actually believe could be real. Um, and so I feel like, and this doesn't. I guess it sort of counts tangentially for film, but it's more so for TV was watching the X-Files used to freak me out a lot as a kid. Like, especially episodes with alien abduction or like just like the stuff that you couldn't see that was making creepy noises and then just the ambiance of the sound, like the soundtrack that they would do all the time. It was just like always murky and, you know, and um, I do remember vaguely I think there was a character who was having like an acid trip. He was on some sort of drugs, but I didn't really catch that part as a kid. Like I came into it like mid scene and whatever was affecting him made him think that a cockroach had like started to bury itself into his arm and crawl up his arm. And that to me like freaked me out as a kid. Like I was like, what am I watching right now? So 
I think sort of like body horror, uh, which kind of ties into our movie today. But like body horror, like even campy body horror back then looked real enough to me as a kid that that was like disturbing. So, so you probably love the yes scare beetles and the mummy, like when they're like getting Ooh. under the people's skin and stuff. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's Gosh, one of the it's coolest things. That movie was like campy enough that it sort of offset that, and the CGI was not that great. Because otherwise, yes, I agree with you. I would have been absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll confess, I've only seen like maybe like two full episodes of the X Files ever, and right. it's not. Be- it's not because like I had any opposition to it. I don't know. Like for whatever reason, like when it came on. I think there was like always some other show at that like time frame that I was probably watching. And technically I could have like taped it on VHS like that. There were that technology like this is like pre DVR and TiVo and shit. Um, I just never bothered. And um, it's one of my regrets. Like I hope that show is held up because someday I would like to give it a try. Um, It seems like there was a lot of practical effects, right? This is kind of pre CG. So, oh, yeah. I would imagine that like it's it's aged better than maybe some of those like early 2000s shows would. Um, I I rewatched it in the last few years and really enjoyed it. Uh, I didn't make it all the way through the season because it does it does suffer a bit from being like almost canceled a few times. I think maybe actually canceled once or twice. And like you can kind of see the like writing decline in quality as it happens when it's like the really long arcs. But yeah the creature of the week episodes are fantastic the whole series whole series so you can find a list of those online and i encourage you to watch those nice i've uh, ironically enough i've seen the first film because i think there was a couple of films Mm -hmm. um it's like two or three yeah because i was like oh they're gonna answer the question or whatever and like even then i don't know that you got anything definitive from if memory serves um so I was kind of cheating and trying to skip to the last page, so to speak, um, by watching the film and like, yeah. you gotta you gotta appreciate the journey. It's not about the destination. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. Um, isn't there like a like the smoking man or something like that? Isn't there like some mysterious dude? Yeah. Like I know a lot of yeah. things like from pop culture, but um, and I know obviously the dynamic between Mulder and Scully, um. Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. it's it's really like the the substance of the show like that mm-hmm. is like lost on me. I know there's some episodes that really fuck people up. It's like like genuinely scary. So yeah, and they get really dark sometimes too. Like the there's the really campy kind of silly ones, and then there's ones where it's like, oh, there's this like horrible family drama unfolding in front of us, and we're just gonna chill here for an episode and then move on. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds kind of perfect for like something like this time of year. Like anyway, <laughs> well, thank you both for sharing your trauma. Will, I'm glad that we got to supplement your ET uh, <laughs> trauma with with some examples of our own. Um, oddly enough, a lot of extraterrestrial, like in some form, whether it's blob form or alien form, like it seems to be a common thread with the a lot of um, the examples that have come up on this show. You know, ET. <laughs> See, I oddly enough, I was always fine with that kind of thing. I think it's because even as a kid, I could remove that enough from reality. It was less scary than something that was like, I don't know, more plausible. Although I, also witches aren't all that plausible. So who knows why <laughs> I'm not scared of aliens, but 
Yeah. I mean, hey, we all have our like our buttons, so to speak. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's totally fine. Pointy hats for me, apparently. <laughs> the Sanderson sisters, do they ever have pointy hats? Like I'm having a Mandela moment where like I know for most oh. of it they don't, but like do they like at some point um ever have hats? Or am I just thinking of the little girl? It's mm, a question for another day. I'll have to like Google that. Um, now you're making curious. me wonder too. Yeah. <clears throat> Well, uh, let's get to the um, the meat <laughs> of the episode and mm-hmm. talk about the thing. And of course, I, I specify this is the 1982 John Carpenter film because originally it was made in the 1950s um, as a film called The Thing from Another World, which had a very similar uh, plot, but kind of differed in a lot of ways. Um and that, of course, was based on a uh, sci-fi short story called Who Goes There? And I believe that's by Howard Campbell. Uh, sorry, John W. Campbell Jr. is the uh, novella. Similar story of uh, and setting of, um, you know, there being this, this group of men that are isolated in Antarctica um, trying to figure out um, who the imposter is. And I think it's kind of funny that like the 50s film like this thing is is like turning things into he's like a vegetable and is like infecting plants and it's a lot less um scary but it was very much sort of mccarthy era uh like anybody could be a commie like at work and um thematically works very different than this 1982 film which uh is the end of the cold war and i think is much more cynical about how that all plays out so obviously we'll be talking about that but um yeah so that's that's the setup i'm sure we'll talk lots about the plot so i'm not going to summarize for this one uh as always we'll we'll kick it off with some first impressions and uh may i'm going to start with you because first time right yep first time you get the honors <laughs> uh we're we're back we're full circle we're back to like really gooey horror so that's great i was thinking about gremlins a little bit not gremlins um trolls a little bit yeah. while watching this <laughs> um yeah it i i was impressed by the practical effects which is saying something's They've been hyped to me for as long as I can remember, and it still exceeded my expectations. Um, so yeah, those held up. Thought it was great, very gooey. And uh, one thing it does in terms of like how it makes its terrifying creature that I haven't seen in a lot of places. I've seen it in like Princess Mononoke actually. Uh, is like having it just be insanely wriggly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing how unpleasant that is to watch. <laughs> very yeah. wriggly and with tiny little tendrils and it's just ah oh, no don't love that um <laughs> so yeah i i loved uh how the creature was designed the practical effects were executed um another thing that exceeded my expectations was the kind of thriller aspect and the psychological um dilemma that everyone is in i kind of thought it was going to be more of a kind of like splatterpunk kind of thing and uh there's definitely a lot more thoughts and nuance in each of these characters than i was anticipating so that was that was a good surprise mr rotondi not your first time seeing the thing but how do you feel about the thing um i yeah i've always felt that it was like gooey (laughs) 
Like, um, I I like it for the story. I think it's an interesting take. I like that it is uh, darker and gorier. I really appreciate the practical effects because even though, like, by today's standards, it feels like you're watching a B sci-fi movie. Um, like, and I don't know. I I'm always a sucker for something that is existing in physical space. So if you can make it look, even if it looks absolutely campy. Like you could tell, like just the animatronics and everything, and how detailed everything was. That it's just—I don't know—I can I can suspend disbelief enough and become grossed out enough to like buy that a lot better. And just like the strange transformations that this creature goes through about all the things it's either mimicked before or it's trying to mimic now, like that to me. I remember watching parts of this film when I was younger and being freaked out by that, especially like when it shoots out legs and it's like this little spider head crawling across the ground or when uh, Will, when it basically uh, mimics Wilford Brimley and goes and like stabs that dude in the face with his hand and just like gets under his skin like that to me, like watching it now. You know, it doesn't affect me as much, but like when I was younger and watched it, I definitely got weirded out by that stuff. So, um, and I just like the interaction with the characters. It's <laughs> like some of them are so, um, very typical dudes. Like it just, I don't know. It's, it's comical. It's obnoxious. It's an interesting sort of view about how people would react if they're stuck in this isolated location and trying to fight off something that they can't really identify. It feels very much like Battlestar Galactica with the whole thing about is, you know, who who's like really a Cylon, who's not kind of a, a thing. So I felt like the same sort of theme behind that was is appealing. But that and just Kurt Russell. I like him as an actor, so it's always entertaining to see some of the stuff that he does, and especially with this being, I guess, an earlier um, film of his. Like, I can't remember was when did Escape from L is uh, Escape from L A was the first one, right? Uh, New York, New York. Oh no, <laughs> I got him flipped. Anyway, right. I can't remember when that one came out, but I feel like that same sort of look was very I think much two like... years prior to this. Like, um... okay. And not to go too far down a rabbit hole, but Kurt Russell actually was like a like a teenager, like a uh, star um, who was in a bunch of Disney movies. <laughs> um, like, oddly enough, the plots were very similar. Like one was called The Computer Wore Tennis Shoes. And it was like this guy that has this like brain serial that makes him smart for like a trivia question and there was one where he like becomes strong from some other kind of serum or something like it was very like like of that time disney like live action films and he was also the voice of um i think it's the hound in the fox and the hound like animated cartoon but anyway like but yeah like he came to like adult sort of like serious prominence with like john carpenter for sure like snake Plissken was like the role that was like oh okay like so this guy is now like this kind of like actor you know versus the wholesome teen movie you know actor yeah. he wears a very um interesting hat we'll leave it at that it's a choice <laughs> <laughs> how about you chris what are your thoughts on reconnecting with the thing ah this is like one of my like halloween favorites just about every year i'll watch this um it aged very very well not well regarded when it came out um mm -hmm. but it was sort of like a cult favorite for years and years and it's my stepfather actually that um 
was like, oh, no, you got to watch like, you know, he was always of the opinion that the 50s movie because he grew up with that, like was like the better one. But like this was like a passable sort of remake to him. <laughs> and of course, like I found the 50s one to be uh, a little too cheesy. Um, I appreciate it for what it is. But um, I think what this movie like does really well and, and like why I like it so much is that as much as there is this sort of like external threat, like the internal you know degradation of like relationships and everything between the, the men is really like what uh is sort of like the where a lot of the tension comes from and you know um that paranoia like i've always sort of appreciated that and as far as the creature design like i love having a creature that doesn't have a defined like shape or design really i mean there's some similarities from the different iterations that you see but i've always just loved how every time you encounter it it's like just a little bit different and it's kind of like circumstantial um for like who it's copying or what it's copying and then like what what's happening you know like the big uh giant face that opens up into like a jaws and is like chomping on mm -hmm. somebody is very different than the dog monster that you see when it's kind of like revealed for the first time so i really like that aspect of it um and I got to give a shout out to that Ennio Morricone score. Like, you know, like yeah. he was known for doing spaghetti westerns like before this. So like all those like old Eastwood, like, you know, films. And um, he did a, a great synth soundtrack that um, really, really works, I think, for for the film. And it's it's one that uh, I think it's kind of minimalist, but like it's it still works very much. Um, but yeah, I love um, it. I think um, it's a fabulous fantastic movie like up there with like for me like anyway like like an alien you know or halloween like where it's just like it's an all-time great and it works as a sci-fi movie too just as much as a horror film which like bonus points for that because I, I really gravitate towards sci-fi i feel like it shares like the same opening sequence as predator yeah so you see the ship just come in and crash somewhere or not really crash i guess uh arguably I guess, depending on the film. But that was the other thing that sort of stuck out to me. It was like, ah, oh, yes, it just kind of swoops in and goes down. And But not to fall too much off the rails about what we're talking about. But yes, yeah, no, no, no. Definitely no. a good sci-fi example. <laughs> before before I forget, because like, I'm glad you brought that up. Like I uh, had a 50-50 shot of forgetting. I was going to ask you guys about that ship. Like I, I do have other topics. Like, But uh, so I've always looked at it in two ways. Right, That could be their ship right like the actual like creature like whatever those things actually look like in their pure form or i always read it as like it could be that they like a bit of that made it onto somebody else's ship and then like imitated something mm -hmm. else and then the reason it crashes is because maybe like it's like a last ditch effort to like try to destroy it um i don't know that i really you get an answer but like what well, what's your preferred like take on that like what do you think is more interesting or cool i kind of like the idea that it's not even it's it's ship you know it's like it was a presence on it but curious i hadn't even considered that the only thought i had about the ship was that it, it's just your it's your most stereotypical ufo <laughs> <laughs> like when i imagine in my head ufo flying saucer that is what i see exactly detail no. for detail um so i thought that was funny but i like that idea and the interpretation especially since like it's unclear exactly how intelligent this entity is and um, how much of it is just a simulation of intelligence 
which leads to interesting comparisons with AI. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's a good point. Like, is it more akin to like a virus or bacteria where it's like just operating on pure instinct? Like, does it have a plan or is it just like, oh, there's some biomatter over there? Like, I'm going to turn it into to me. Nom nom. Yeah. That's yeah. I I actually I agree. I think that is the reason why the ship crashed. Cool. I'm gonna go with that because it doesn't seem like it seems like it mimics everything, right? So when we see the small craft that it's trying to recreate from parts from the helicopter, it's kind of like a smaller version of what it came in on. But if it doesn't, if it's like every part of it's just trying to react to survive, it's not really. I don't know. I I guess I would I would buy the idea that it's not aware enough or intelligent enough to be able to do that without having like assimilated something else beforehand so i like your i like your idea chris or your proposition there um, yeah I, I i think it makes it sort of interesting to go like oh like so what what's the story there um with the the craft you know um yeah may i imagine that like conversation is like uh yeah yeah john john um we uh so we don't have a design for the ship <laughs> yeah, just make it a you like you just make it a ufo it's fine like <laughs> we're gonna see it for a few seconds in the beginning and that's no big deal it was uh, the the intern at the you know modeling company yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um one of my favorite as an aside like excuses now and i don't understand or know like uh, have a good answer for something it's gonna be like i'm gonna say like the kurt russell line where he's like because it's different than us see because it's from outer space what do you want from me like <laughs> i love that like he's just like, like it's just such a like perfectly genuine response it's different from us it's from outer space what do you want from me <laughs> oh my god um okay so we picked this film as an example of isolation horror um which usually finds a group of protagonists or sometimes like it rare more rare but like you'll have a solo protagonist that is cut off from the rest of civilization and help and like a lot of the tension and terror comes from the fact that they have to navigate this problem or threat um with no help from the outside world and usually no means of escape right um the first thing I want to talk about with this film is just sort of the uh, the setup, right? So, like, you, you get the opening shot that's like, hey, this is Antarctica. Then you have the helicopter with the dog. And it kind of does a, a really neat job, I think, of, like, setting up the space where the rest of the film is going to take place, which is this um, kind of nebulous, like, re vague research. Bay. I'm not even really sure what they're doing there or if it really, they ever cover, like, what their point is other than it's, like, a research base. But um, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you guys, like, how did you like the the setup? So from like the time that like the the dog and the helicopter arrive to sort of the grim discovery of the Norwegian camp as like a a grim bit of foreshadowing of what might be in store for the protagonist. How did that work for you or not work for you? I mean, you it's pretty desolate. You don't see. I mean, just by the very fact of where they are, um, the score that you mentioned kind of hammers in sort of that bleakness about there's it's very minimalist and i think that because we open up with the norwegians chasing down the husky 
at -hmm. the beginning of the movie right so it's sort of the question about why is it like what is actually going on here you're out in the middle of nowhere and clearly you also have very bad aim but like why are you (laughs) chasing this dog trying to shoot this dog um i think that it the overall setting works i do find that for me i was more just drawn to the chase scene more than anything else than the actual environment uh and it probably has to do with the fact that i felt like they were taking a very long time to try and kill this dog granted i'm not advocating that if it was a real dog that you should be doing that kind of thing but i'm also like they were they were struggling hard man i mean those guys came into the base even and they're like fumbling around with grenades and trying to you know I just I I don't know. I mean, you could chalk it up to stress and also like maybe I don't know. Depends Exhaustion. on how much they've been through leading up to that. But yeah. yeah. Like that to be. I always thought that was very interesting as a rewatch to be like, man, like I mean, granted, I get it. If you're really amped up on adrenaline and maybe you haven't eaten in a while and probably haven't gotten a lot of sleep. Like I get it. But uh but yeah. So that whole thing. And then also like seeing like objects like the little like gas logo on the car- on, like the side of the container where you're like, something's going to blow up. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like there's little context clues about stuff is not going to be, uh, it's not going to be okay over here or over here. Yeah. <laughs> that Check does not look like game. that is. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's our running joke. I was joke. just thinking that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, Yeah. But that's pretty much how I felt about it. But no, I think overall, like the introduction to how it, how bleak everything looks does work well for it, for the film. As much as I hate how much killing dogs is, is part of the plot. Um, <laughs> I didn't even There's look at the dog Does the Dog Die website and this is the film I needed it for the most. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, want you, I didn't want you primed for that. So I debated <laughs> if I should say something and I was like, I feel like if i say that then it's gonna kind of ruin the experience of like the surprise of like what that scene is which is wild and you know i honestly appreciate that you didn't because uh, as much as i hated to watch it it did very effectively like play on audience expectations because like uh what's the saying the easiest way to establish your villain in any piece of media is have him kick a dog right mm-hmm. so like you immediately are siding with this dog when the film opens and you're like, what the fuck is wrong with this Swedish Norwegian person? Like, <laughs> why are they shooting this dog? And then um, I did pick up pretty quickly. It was probably going to be an issue with the dog. One, just because I uh, know it can be anything. And obviously that the person that came in is fine. And two, because they start showing it a lot. And <laughs> those are two good clues. But it did make it still very hard for me to be like, okay, yeah, the the, the dog's a monster. So I think it plays well on audience expectations that way, even if it was still kind of like transparent. When you're like, well, how bad could it could it be? And then you have that first like transformation um, scene, which is just so gross. It's so gross. And so sudden too, it just like shakes its head and it's like, oh, no, skull falls off. Yeah. <laughs> Did you buy the um sort of the setup and like the isolation like bit of it? Like, were, did you feel like you were 
properly um pro- uh, not primed properly like sold on um like these people being cut off and it, this being a, a a bad place for something like this to happen yes although and i i'm not the only person to have this theory i know but i it's kind of like it's a bit weird they haven't had contact with anyone for two weeks like why hasn't that been a red flag in any way and i know there's people mm-hmm. that speculate that maybe there are other things that have already kind of attacked most of the other like antarctic outposts like that and that's like a theory that i think i might kind of believe because like obviously like blizzards and stuff are going to interfere with your radio communications but no one on the continent for two weeks really windows yeah he is windows he's the stoner guy right the radio guy oh no windows is the guy with the glasses yeah Yeah. like in the beard kind of like the dennis young dennis miller is what he reminds me of Um, yeah i i i think like so there's a really shitty uh, prequel film that like is like this is what happened in the Norwegian camp um, that sounds awesome on paper and like everyone was so excited because we're like all right here's a prequel that like you can nail because it has a reason to exist like you see the aftermath and like you can tell us like how all these ha- things happen that you kind of see around the camp and like they just they completely biffed the execution of it unfortunately um, I seem to recall there being like in, in like the Norwegians are a great example of the helicopter, like bits and pieces of that where like people are not accounted for. And there's like some weird like absences and stuff like that. Um, So I could see that. And I think that's kind of a cool theory for sure. The other part of me is like, I, I think they try to do a lot in the beginning of the film in general to like, tell you like under good circumstances, like the elements are a big factor. So talking about the safety of the helicopter and, you know, some of the other stuff um, that you see around the base. Um, yeah, like to kind of establish that like it's a harsh environment. In a lot of ways, this is kind of the perfect place for that to happen, too, because like if that had like landed in a po- like a populated city area is um, Wilford Brindley points out, like it would be like this exponential crisis very quickly. So bad for those guys. Good for the rest of the planet, I guess, like in terms of, uh, you know, the story unfolding somewhere. But of course, I think like from a production standpoint, um, in a very similar way to the Nostromo and Alien, it allows you to have this minimalist approach where you as the audience get to know the layout of that base very quickly just by kind of seeing very few sets and like getting a sense of like where things are, um, which, uh, yeah, make like makes like there uh, be some familiarity, I think, like in the film. Um and then also, like, you realize, like, there's nowhere to go. Like, you can't just, like, run out the front door like you could if you were, like, in a cabin in the woods or something like that. Like, you're you're pretty much isolated once that left lizard starts, which is not a good good spot to be in when you got, like, a shape-shifting uh, alien that's trying to digest you. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about the, uh, the cast of characters who, again, similar to Alien, like, kind of all go by their last names. Um, I'm curious that they did that um, for similar reasons or if they were just kind of emulating like aliens. So the original alien, like all the characters are just last names because they wanted the genders to be interswappable. And like, this is a cast of all men, like in this film, like there, there are no 
women. So I don't know if that was like a, a casting choice um, and it was just sort of a nod to Alien or, or what. But um, yeah, what, what did you think of the crew of this research base? And did you have like a favorite um, character? Um, I mean, I feel like McCready is kind of like the obvious, you know, choice, but like you can still pick them if you want, if you want to be boring. So <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, oh, that's also... how you really feel. Yeah, shots fired, man. Come on. I mean, <laughs> he's just such, he's so, such the obvious choice. Like I feel like, but, um, but yeah, uh, May, I'll start with you on this one. So um, give, give us some thoughts on on the cast um, that has to uh go through this ordeal it's it's hard because i did like a lot of the characters um i like windows and nulls um mostly just because they were sweet guys that seemed to like not really belong there <laughs> it was like you poor thing um but yeah i'd have to say clark just because like yeah i'd be pissed about the dogs too <laughs> and i would also not necessarily trust mccready i don't think i'd like take out a knife to stab him but um i think it's wrong that he got killed the way he got killed um you don't see much of a reaction from mccready when he finds out that clark wasn't even infected that he just had temper and that's a little sad but yeah i'd have to say clark yeah, it's a good choice. He, he, you know, I think he's somewhat justified. You put yourself in his shoes, right? They found a scrap of McCready's clothes, and McCready's come back in, his beard frozen over, and he's got like a flamethrower and a giant <laughs> wad of dynamite, and he's threatening to blow up the entire camp. Like, if people don't do exactly what he wants them to do, um, not exactly the best negotiating platform. I mean, I suppose it's it's effective in that like you know if he's gonna make good on that threat like that's that's pretty bad but um in terms of like wanting to be reasonable like you're just a bystander in that camp you probably would feel depending on your personality type like that fight or flight response and you know might be inclined to want to try to like take that person out um so i think you know he's kind of justified in like being like this dude's crazy like i don't know what's going on like he doesn't want to listen to reason or like talk um so i think yeah clark's a good choice and they they make him sympathetic i think as being sort of the dog handler right and you see him like run to go check on the dogs that have like been destroyed like later and he has like a very emotional reaction to that so um yeah uh will Mm -hmm. give us your take on on the i I keep wanting to say the crew but like they're not really on a ship so um (laughs) i don't know like our our cast the team there you go well before i forget the thought and not to buy myself more time for the character i want to know what the standard issue policy is on flamethrowers in antarctica like (laughs) (laughs) don't get me wrong like i've been a fan of that as like a as a tool since aliens came out man but like (laughs) I um I always thought that was kind of funny where it's like that's the it, that's the first thing that he goes to too right where they're like McCready said get the flamethrower and I'm like <laughs> yes but also why <laughs> I mean McCready seems like he would have loved aliens so <laughs> it's true he knows it's not as he, he knows he knows about outer space right that's what he said <laughs> um <laughs> 
but uh i'd have to go with childs i just like his his reactions to some stuff like do you believe this voodoo bullshit like, <laughs> 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 like i love it i freaking love keith david man i um but yeah i i mean on the one hand his character is very quick to be antagonistic but i also think that he's <laughs> i don't know i i understand like why the guys either weighing out or why they don't because if I had to put myself in their shoes, like, I honestly don't know how I would react. And so I just, I like how he's sort of the comic relief. He's part of it because other characters do have like, you know, kind of funny lines too here and there to lighten the mood. But I don't know. There's just something about the way that he delivers some of those lines, man, where I'm just like, I would, <laughs> I would feel exactly like how you do right now. So yeah, I like, I just, I liked his character. I thought he was he was realistic i felt like i could see that in real life so yeah um i think like so in the interest of being different because i think child's is my uh non-mccready like pick i'd agree with you like keith david's the man and he's an interesting foil um all the way to the very end yeah. which don't worry we're going to talk about um because uh i do have a question uh, about the ending to ask both of you but in the interest of just picking someone different, I I've always liked Bennings. And every time like I get to the point where like they find his like burned body because he's sacrificed yeah. himself, I'm always a little disappointed because I'm like, uh, I feel like that actor does a great job. And I just appreciate how much that guy gets to do in a pretty short period of time. Like the fact that he brings the journals um, from um, my blanking on what's Wilford Brindley's name in this uh Blair brings players to those he's like hey like yes this guy's cracking up but like listen like he's on to something like there's some concerning stuff here that I think the group needs to know about right um and like I don't know he just he seems like he would have been really helpful which is probably why he was taken out you know um like he's a very reasonable guy um was it Benning? No, Bennings is the guy with the beard. Who's the guy with the glasses? Bennings is the redhead guy that like right that has like the little like hand bit where they they roast yeah. him in the snow. So Fuchs, Fuchs, mm -hmm. yes, is it Fuchs. Fuchs. Yeah, nice. Okay, okay yeah. yeah, yeah. So I love this guy so much I didn't even know his name. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's also one of the ones that I like. There's still like some mystery around his death too, which is interesting and i hope we will talk about yeah we can jump into it like um you know in terms of uh like him specifically or, or you want to talk about some of the more like because i think one of the things that this film does and it almost has to do really to work for what the conceit is is like you have on-screen deaths right which you got to satisfy like the bloodlust of the audience for this horror film but you have a, a few that are off screen as well to kind of keep the mystery going, right? Like, uh -huh. I, I think the suspense plummets to nothing if you like, it's just you're constantly seeing who's the thing and like how everyone dies. So, yeah, go ahead. Like, let's talk about Fuchs's death. What do you think yeah. happened there? No, I agree with that totally. But I was expecting to kind of have it figured out by the end of the film. And granted, I watched this recently and haven't had too much time to think about it. So maybe I'm just not putting my critical thinking cap on. But yeah, I still don't have a piece together how Fuchs died exactly. I did think that McCree's explanation of like, oh, maybe he committed suicide via flamethrower to be kind of <laughs> sketchy. 
Because that's easy to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> we well, had a flare. Just, like, turn He's walking around with and... a flare. But yeah. even still, like, you can't just like hold a flare to like your your North Face jacket no. and just like I, mean, I don't know maybe fear. maybe they're they're really combustible I don't know but like yeah um, yeah did I, you guys have a theory? The only thing that I can think of like logically is like they do have all those drums of fuel is like maybe they just did a bad job of explaining like maybe he like doused himself in like the fuel and um killed himself like you know like he was maybe confronted by that thing gave him a little squirt of some goo and like he was just like nope i'm burning my i don't want to be like you know um part of like this thing's master plan um but uh i don't know like it does does the thing ever kill somebody in a way that like is not being imitated in the film that we see like, I know it munches on some people and stuff, like, but, like, like, to defend itself, but, like, presumably, like, when it's alone, like, it, like, that's, like, the goal, right? Mm-hmm. The dogs. Even that, like, like, it's digesting the originals, like, down yeah. to, like, copy them, essentially. True. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I, I would agree with you that, like, it's not the best execution in terms of like really telling that <laughs> like story completely of like what exactly did happen to Fuchs. Um, I, I think it works in like that. Oh, it's like a mysterious off screen death. And like, clearly like somebody is not who they say they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think like there is a little bit of a plot hole there in terms of just like not being really clear of how that happens. Like that, like even like, I still like, I've seen this movie a dozen times. I have to like really do like the magic eye, like, th- like, you know, like thing where to look to be like, what, where is he in this? Like, it just kind of mm. looks like charcoal briquettes on the ground, like a little bit. Like, um, and I, I think it's cause like, oh, they want to make it realistic where some of the snow is like covered his body and stuff. But, um, I don't really have a great answer for you. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm just wondering about your theories. Well, do you have one? I don't because mostly I wonder about how no one would see or hear anything if that's what happened to him, especially yeah. because you see and hear so much else that goes on around the base because it is so confined that it seems almost surprising that it's like this. How did that not happen? And then I, I always thought it was funny how Fuchs like wants to just tell McCready in private about what he's found when it's like, no, you should probably just say that out loud right now so everybody can hear you. So you're not just like, oh, let me just tell this one guy we're going to go hide out in the helicopter and something might happen and does while we're away. And then, oh, well, shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, yeah, that that to me, I used I, I always found that to be a little I mean, for the sake of the plot, I get it. But I always used to think like, no, man, just like blurt it out. Like, don't don't hold anything back, you know, but I, it sort of also adds to that suspicion of other people you know you're not really sure who you can trust and what's going on so you're going to tell the one guy that you feel like you can trust to you know and so i I get that but i don't know i kind of like to poke at it a little bit in terms of that and then also the death scene like you're talking about where you're just like okay well that's a little too convenient but also yeah, like how much time did that take for him to burn? Because like everything else that's caught fire around the base has been already, unless it got, you know, they used the 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 um, fire extinguishers on it pretty quickly. It was it was uh, burning for a good amount of time. So I don't know. That's a really good I'm point. with you there too. It would not be a quiet death if you were burning yourself to death. Like, 
I don't care how tough you are. I feel like there'd be at least some screaming, you know, ouchie, maybe like. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. My my farthest out there theory is that Ukes was a thing that someone else ran into and burned. Maybe ashamed that like they did it and didn't want to like. Yeah, didn't want to like fess up. Or maybe somebody thought he was the thing and then burned him and then realized, oh shit, he's not. And like, I just fucking toasted somebody who's like human. Mm. I like that the best, I think. Like either way, (laughs) somebody else did it. Because you're right. Like it doesn't make a lot of sense as a suicide method. It doesn't make a lot of sense like for the thing to do that. So just absorbing him. So I think we solved the mystery. At least we came up with a better explanation than the film offers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Um, should we talk about the end now? Yeah. Let's talk about the end. Um, you know, we can bounce, we can bounce um, back to any other topics you guys have, but I do want to talk about the end of the film um, and really like uh, by extension, how the rest of it plays out. So I think I read somewhere that like, a lot of people involved in the film have even said like, Hey, like I was a part of making this thing and I'm confused at who's a thing like when, which is, I think that's a good thing like that. You're never really clear as the audience of like, okay, even though this person's like turned, when did that happen? Some, some are more obvious than others. So, uh, doc, um, Potter, like, like you can clearly see that that's that guy's like shadow. Like he, he's like got a, one of the more distinctive body shapes and faces, I think. So when the dog goes into his room, it's like that's one I'm very confident on. Um, and then like obviously uh, Bennings, like that was the guy who I thought was um, Fuchs. It's a little more obvious, right? Because we see him running out like mid transformation. The rest of them, it's a little bit more mysterious. So um, I wanted to ask you guys. Do you think both of the final surviving characters are human by the end of it? I think there's like some theories out there as to like what the answer to this is. If so, who's who and what's what? I don't know if the thing would want to kill itself or would it? Are we thinking that somehow it's so much it's so into defense that it would go after something else of its own? Yeah, I guess the the big question would be like, so we could be reasonably sure that Kurt Russell is not the thing just because you've seen him mm-hmm. like blow up the thing. So is Keith David the thing? Do you think at the end, His like Childs, Childs, yeah. yeah. I guess it's so. Are we thinking? Because for me, watching it again, I'm like, is this supposed to be symbolic of the chess match that's going on at the beginning of the game where Kurt Russell's like? where McCready's like, you're cheating (laughs) and wants to douse the computer with alcohol. You know, like, is this supposed to be the, he thinks that maybe he's won or it's, you know, just going to be a stalemate or how it's going to turn out. Cause I don't know, rewatching it. That's sort of how I took it was that the chess match was supposed to be like a little bit of foreshadowing there with him dealing with it by the end. Like instead of so. dealing with the the problem properly, like he blows everything up and results mm-hmm. in him losing. Yeah, or at least it's a stalemate, so nobody wins. So they're both screwed either way. So I don't know. Like I could, I could see it going either way, but I feel like if that's 
my reference point, then I kind of want to say the child's is the thing. I like the decisive uh, answer there and your reasoning. So I have two answers. The answer that I had just based off first impression, first watch through the film, what I thought was <laughs> happening in the moment was that child's was the thing and that there was something in that drink uh that Kurt Russell hands him um that was not actually alcohol I saw people online posting about like speculating it was gasoline or something because there's so much of it um Mm. anyway and hands it to Childs to drink and Childs drinks it and then (laughs) when McCready smiles it's kind of a knowing smile like oh you just fell for my trap kind of thing that's how I was reading it in the moment um especially because like Childs does like seem a bit off that whole conversation like he seems oddly calm for the first time in the whole movie and like maybe it's just exhaustion and cold and the fact that they like are reasonably safe now but um yeah my initial read was that he's a thing however I know from reading um uh like some articles about like what carpenter was intending that i think the the intention was that neither were the thing or at least that's how they were instructed to act yeah mm-hmm. which is kind of the perfect if like one of them is the thing because it's supposed to yeah. be a perfect copy <laughs> 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 yeah um i like i like the ambiguity of it either way i've always thought it it's oh, maybe not a better my preferred ending if like if child's is the thing because like to will's point they went through everything he's destroyed the base and if he can't overpower the thing and like defeat it then it's kind of all been for nothing and it kind of brings you full circle to the beginning of the film where like it just got to be one right so like if it goes into hibernation again and like somebody else finds their camp like here we are back to sort of to square one where like nobody's been able to to beat it and i kind of like that um but i i appreciate the poetic approach as well again given that this film is a very cynical warning against paranoia of communism you know and and sort of like destroying your fellow man in pursuit of trying to find you know uh, who the thing is um so I, I kind of like the idea too that like maybe these two men might intend each other harm or at the very least be like so guarded from the paranoia that like th- there's no trust and that maybe they don't even work together to survive because they're so convinced that the other person might be an alien. Um, so I, th- I kind of like the poeticism there too, I guess. Um, but I think overall my preferred interpretation is Childs is the thing. I also feel like the the terror of the thing to me at least is like yeah it can take all these gross shapes and like shape shift into people but the real terror to me is just that like a single cell could survive and that that cell could take over the world so I think that even if child isn't the thing the likelihood they have truly destroyed every cell of it is very low so I like the film at least giving a nod to the fact that this is not the end mm-hmm. It's kind of grim, like that line of like, you know, the fire's not going to last long. And like, maybe we should just sit by the fire a while and see what happens. It's just <laughs> kind of like, either way, they're dead, really. Thing, not the thing. 
Um, like that's the end of the road. Um, at least his JMB made it through. I uh, I posted on my Instagram story that like McCready's bottle of JB has got to be like a top five like horror film survivor of all time. <laughs> it makes it all the way through the film, um, which is pretty impressive <laughs> considering what they go through. He babies that thing. Yeah, certainly does. I mean, I I don't imagine under the best of circumstances there's much to do. Um, in that camp, especially if you're the pilot, it's like got to go somewhere great. If not, like, I, I mean, I'm sure like there's like maybe like a little chore chart or something like what we do in the shadows. <laughs> but mm-hmm. like, aside from that, like, I mean, you have a cook like that's there for that purpose and so on and so forth. So a lot of downtime. Um, so having some JB at your side, probably not a bad idea. Um, that's all I had really for like established topics. Um, if you guys have anything that you want to talk like last minute or bring up or discuss, as always, we'll kind of open the the door for anything that you, uh, yeah, liked or wanted to talk through. This movie's got a lot going on. So <laughs> for me, it's just like, again, I have so many questions about like what actually was going on that I will absolutely be rewatching this. But um, do you guys know or have theories on like what happened with the blood? Because like that's something I was confused on, like plot point wise, but also just kind of confused because that's the most forward planning, conniving, intelligent thing you see the thing do in the whole movie. Yeah. Um, I just always kind of assumed that uh the thing probably lifted the key. Like I know that um oh man I, I don't know why uh gary like right is that his name gary <laughs> mm-hmm. um yes like he's the only one that supposedly has the key the doc makes a comment like he's the only one that has access so i don't know if that means like he also had a key or like he's the only one that's supposed to go in there um but yeah like i think like at that point in the film there's probably some questions on who's the thing and who's human, but there's some people that we know are definitely human, right? At that point, the doc being one of them. Um, and Gary. And Gary, yep. Um, Clark. So, yeah, I just, I, I always kind of assumed that, like, um, it was one of the people that was the thing, like, got in there. And, like, because it can kind of slime and goop, like, would it need the key? Like, is it just, like, did it ooze into there and, like, sever hmm. the bag somehow like i don't know um, and then relock it yeah <laughs> yeah i'm not sure um but yeah like it, it is kind of like it's a cool touch because as you said like it shows like definitely some pre-planning and intelligence i think that you don't get a lot of glimpses of um which makes it all the more scary had to have been wilford brimley had to have been dr blair he's the only one who's destroying shit everywhere in that base <laughs> True. maybe for him it's like uh, i don't want them consuming our blood i don't know <laughs> although he is the thing at that point right it's unclear no? it's unclear yeah. <clears throat> uh, there's so many questions because okay. you can you can interpret <laughs> i think well so i think like <laughs> at least the parts where he's chopping up the helicopter and stuff you got to assume he's probably human because like that's him trying to cut off routes of escape for yeah. 
you know the monster mm-hmm. or it could be he's cutting off routes of escape for the the people but i don't know I, you would think the monster would want to be able to like get out um maybe he just got thirsty you know and like in his crazy state it was just like <laughs> i need to need to be pure <laughs> this is a capri sun right <laughs> yeah. like, oh, capri sun. Mm. Nice. um yeah I, and by the way the, this movie like is like better and better and better like with like each viewing it is one of those movies that just like the more you watch it the more you, you kind of like you're on the lookout for stuff and attempting to like pinpoint things like it's a really fun exercise to try to like establish like when you think somebody's been turned and watching how they interact in scenes when you know that mm. they are like definitively is also very fun oh yeah like the little that uh what's his name um palmer palmer gives like right before they do the blood test it's like he <laughs> the thing's like well the uh i guess the like they got my number here in about two seconds <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like it's just it's it's a great little expression um that i always like appreciate i do have to add i liked how in the chat um that chris shared with us a nice little mashup of wilford brimley (laughs) and his uh introduction i guess one of his old infomercials about diabetes testing and making sure to you know get your testing supplies and the whole thing that has made him like a staple for that kind of industry and i um i would like to think in a very dark way that the thing is really just an allegory for fear about diabetes and uh, (laughs) (laughs) what people think will happen to them if they get infected with it no no, i kid and also r.i.p wilford brimley like that guy is is i mean for what he was for what he was talking about like all to him and good for him i mean uh, not just because of the fact that he had to deal with it but i don't know i think there's something very admirable about like because of uh, i mean i don't know for the people of my generation like growing up and and always hearing about that like yeah we joke about it a lot but like nobody else was talking about it so good for him for being the one to be the spokesperson so yeah yeah for sure and reminder like as a weird sort of like um tangential relationship to this this film he was in a much gentler nicer extraterrestrial film a few years later uh cocoon if you guys ever saw that yeah oh man i had totally forgot about cocoon yeah it's it's quite a sweet film so it's um a group of like old folks like in an old folks home who uh find these alien cocoons they're in the bottom of the swimming pool right it's been a long yeah. time since i've seen that and essentially it rejuvenates them like like and like they like you know um like can move better and they're like more sexually active like than they have been in years and like it, it's it's this really sweet sort of like kind of like fantasy of being able to feel youthful again um, but yeah, he's in that Donna Michi, who is the voice of Shadow and Homeward Bound and a bunch of other people. The first one, at least, is very, very good. But it's been a long time since I've seen it. So but it's a much more wholesome uh, extraterrestrial <laughs> film than the thing, you know, where yeah. like uh, probably would have been a much different outcome <laughs> if you found one of those things in the bottom of a swimming pool. But <laughs> um, well, yeah, let's let's uh, transition if anybody doesn't have anything else. 
And all right, we're going to play a round of movie 20 questions. Um, I do have a film in mind, but I was going to offer up if one of you guys would like to take a few moments and be a host. You can do that as well if you want to take a stab either. Otherwise, I don't mind being the the host for this one. Are you asking us to impersonate you, Chris? You, no, you can put your own flavor on it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, do it however you would do it. I want the May Finch or Will Rotondi experience, like if you're going to host a game. Welcome to Screen Quest, a fellowship of podcast. <laughs> We're bad imitators. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm your host, Chris to Waterman. Uh, now I think you should do it, man. Yeah, I think we, uh, I'm, I'm ready to play around for you. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, are you ready? I'll hold up my fingers. I know it's a little bit um, janky, but I like to have the visual aid so you guys can kind of see. Yeah. Uh, as... can't count, Chris. Well, <laughs> it's a lot to ask you guys to like, you know, be brainstorming and thinking like of uh, of stuff, and then also like trying to keep track of the number of questions. So. Because you're right, we can't count, so it's, <laughs> it's good. You said it. I didn't say it. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Let the questioning begin, as they would say on Game Scoop, which is where I kind of stole the idea for 20 questions. They always play video game 20 questions at the end of the episode. Love you, Damon Hatfield. Not that you all ever see this, but <laughs> go for it. Okay. Um I, you haven't done this in so long. I forgot what our standard first question was. That's true. Uh, do we want to ask if it is a... Jeez, I almost wonder if this is going to be like a gimme or if this is going to be like a a waste of a question. I'm like trying to figure out the genre. Are we going to mm -hmm. ask if it's a horror? <laughs> I think we should. I think we should. All right, Chris. Is it a horror movie? Uh, it's not a horror film. Oh, okay. too obvious for Scream Quest. All right. Well, it's good we asked because I assume yeah. it's going to be one. Um, it's true. Hmm. Okay. Well, in that case, I kind of want to ask if it, uh, what year do we usually pick? If it was before 1980, 1990? Oh, yeah. 80s probably a good line of demarcation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Chris. Did it come out before 1980? No. Okay. So, <laughs> last 40 years of film. <laughs> Not too much time. Uh, do we want to ask if the protagonist is a human? Yeah, that's a good one. All right, Chris. <laughs> I feel like I always re <laughs> the same question. Is the protagonist a human? Uh, yes. Thanks. Okay. Good to know. Uh, do we want to ask about like if it's animated or live action? Yeah. Is it animated? <laughs> uh, no, it is not animated. Okay, mm. so li live action starring a person after 1980, and it's not horror. I kind of want to ask if somebody gets murdered. Yeah, go for it. Does somebody get murdered in this movie of yours, Chris? 
Um, I'm uh, trying to, somebody I'm trying to dies. Think, yeah, I'm trying to think right? of that. <laughs> it's death. There's death in there. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say no, or if it like it, it would be an incidental thing, like it is not a main mm-hmm. plot point. Oh, I can't say with confidence. Order. I can't can't say with confidence, but okay, interesting. That was a good question, Will. We got him on his toes. I've got like a good chunk of information. It may not be. But something does happen to somebody. <laughs> uh, I kind of want to ask if um, there is romance. Is there the stereotypical shoehorned <laughs> <laughs> romance of Hollywood? No. Is uh, um, is romance a major part of the plot? Maybe does that sound like you yeah. Did? Yeah. Is, is romance a major part of the plot? Uh, not a major part of the plot. Okay. Okay, so it's there, but incidental romance, incidental, incidental death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hmm. I kind of want to go back and ask another genre question, but I don't yeah. know if that would help or not. I think so. If I ask if it's a comedy, <laughs> do it. Is it a comedy, Chris? Yes. Ah, all right. Oh, that actually somewhere. tells us a lot also that it's not a rom-com. Yeah. Jeez, 40 years of comedy. <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. Uh, I kind of want to ask if the protagonist is a woman. Yes, go for it. Is the protagonist a woman? No. Okay. I kind of want to ask if they go on a trip of some kind. Like, I don't know, somewhere Ooh. beyond like their normal like area. Like, if yeah. they're going on a journey. Ooh, aren't we all on journeys though? Yeah, I guess that's true. It, it depends. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Chris is like from a certain perspective. Uh, I think tangentially they went on a, uh, a journey to self-discover them. Incidentally. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Death may have been involved. Somebody was getting some, but it was on the side. It wasn't the main point of the film. <laughs> um, uh, uh, hmm. Oh, can I ask if it has a happy ending? Actually, actually, no, it's a comedy. It's going to obviously have a happy ending, right? Are you sure about that? Well, Are you positive? <laughs> no. Comedies are also supposed to end in a wedding, and apparently that's not a major plot point, so... That, that's what Shakespeare, right? So, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all i can say is chris have fun editing this part of the podcast oh, it's it's easy. i just i just look for like where the silence ends and just go <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. uh oh i know we should ask questions that are like uh does it share a cast with this other film oh so is it like there's a like a series or like yeah well no like, or not like, necessarily are like does does it share cast members? Like, are there are the cast some of the cast are any of the cast members in this film also in film? Oh, I'm down. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Trying to think of a good one for that. Um, what's a movie that has like a lot of like '80s '90s stars? What comedy has a but? Oh jeez. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> 
is the cast of Ghostbusters in? <laughs> Anyone from the cast of Ghostbusters in this movie? You know, that would be what I would. Okay, let's do it. Yes. Chris, okay, Chris. What Will said. Yeah. Does anybody uh, who show up in the movie Ghost the first one, the first Ghostbusters movie, not two, not three, <laughs> not whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. Okay. All yeah. right. Um, okay. Now I kind of want to ask like Ocean's Eleven or something like that. Oh, hey, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Does any, That's a pretty good. Uh, does this film do? Do any of the cast members of Ocean Eleven appear in this film? Um. That's a huge cast. I don't believe so, though. (laughs) (laughs) Unless it's like the the quickest of cameos. I I doubt it. I doubt it. That's 10. (laughs) That's that's 10. Okay. Uh, Are we getting anywhere? (laughs) Um, I kind of want to. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm not gonna give you a clue. What was I thinking? No, (laughs) I'm not gonna wait. No, it's fine. It's the midway point, you know? Yeah. And it's not, it doesn't have to be a clue. It could be like tangentially, you might you might infer that based <laughs> on the knowledge of the movie. That... <laughs> uh, well, if it's comedy, I kind of want to ask if it's like, ah, oh, geez, I don't know if this is. It may or may not help, but like if it's like a stoner stupid comedy, or not. But I don't. If the answer to that is no, I feel like it's not really gonna. Um. We can ask about SNL cast members if it shares something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, geez. Oh, geez. That's another one where it's like, I, I, I know would tell me a lot, but I wouldn't know who to ask about. Oh, man. We can ask if it's an A24 film. <laughs> 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 Those are largely uh, not comedies. <laughs> Talk to me wasn't supposed to be like a horror comedy. What? Okay. <laughs> oh God. Um, oh, comedy. Uh, do you want to just throw out actor names? Like we could ask if Jack Black is in it, or <laughs> um, I would actually, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, is yeah. Jack Black in this film? No, he's not. Okay. You start naming off people with the last clues that we've got. <laughs> I don't know why, but I feel like it's actually harder to try and pinpoint a comedy than it is to, like any other film we've talked about. Weirdly enough, like I feel like comedies are just very hard to peg. If um, I were you, I would go, I would start, I'd steer away from cast for a little bit and see if you can figure out some other like, like plot. Yeah, aspects. That's just a piece of advice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Does it? I kind of want to ask if it takes place around the holidays. Yeah, do that. Does it take place around the holidays? It does not. Okay. I'll ask if it's like um, like a dark comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Is it a dark comedy? I think there's elements. There's elements to it. Um, I wouldn't classify this as a dark comedy in the way, like, say, something like death becomes her i'll give away yes it's not death becomes her okay. is i think there's elements of dark comedy in it for sure though hmm. <laughs> i don't i, I think... kind of want to ask if it's like a movie that chris knows that we have seen but that's probably not gonna um hmm. back else? to your earlier thought on like a trip or a journey a lot of yeah. comedies are road trips 
You can ask about that. <laughs> Do you want me to use the word specifically road trip? You don't have to. I was just thinking as a way to like make it yeah. more specific. Yeah. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> Chris, do our our characters go on a, a road trip? Yes. Hey. So I'm not throwing this out as a question. <laughs> and I'm not throwing this out as an answer. But I would very much think it would be funny if this turned out to be like National Lampoon's European vacation. But funny. it could also be National Lampoon's something else. Yeah. <laughs> or it could be like a Mr. Bean movie. Or <laughs> I would actually prefer that. <laughs> I would pre yeah, I would hope it would be Mr. Bean. Oh, I don't think it's Mr. Bean because I don't think Mr. Bean has any dark elements. <laughs> dark comedy? Yeah. <laughs> that is true, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. They go on a road trip. I suggested this and then did not have a ton of follow-ups. Um, no, it's not around the holidays, so we can rule out some stuff. Um, but then again, it could be Little Miss Sunshine. So, I mean, like... <laughs> yeah. Do we want to ask if any of the main characters are kids? Would yes. Yes, we do. Okay. Uh, <laughs> are, are any of the main characters kids? No. No, they're, okay. no, they're not. Yeah, that's 15. Yeah, Little Miss Sunshine is out. <laughs> yeah. No families. Chris is like the movie I was thinking of was Logan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> There's a child as a main character there. And People definitely get murdered. Uh, yeah. <laughs> dark comedy, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a comedy that's like kind of dark, but not really. Apparently. Yeah. I think he's talking about Twilight comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um. I promise I'll qualify my responses to some of the more vague ones. Um, okay. When we get when you have the reveal or or you guess it correctly. Yeah, we're not guessing what's correctly, and you know that. Um. You guys historically <laughs> do really well in the last few questions. That's so. right. We like we pull. You it got four off. more questions than a guess. So like. Yeah. I think you could get there, like genuinely. Uh. Can we get a recap? Okay. So uh, it is a comedy that takes place on the road. Um, the protagonist is not a cast member of Ghostbusters or Ocean's Eleven, um, or there's no none of those actors shared between this movie and those films. Uh, no children as main characters. Um, somebody might get murdered, but it's not a major plot point if it does happen. Like, I just can't say with confidence it does or doesn't. Romance is not a major plot of the film. And I'm trying to think what else, you guys. It's post-1980. And it's obviously a comedy with some yeah. darker elements. But, like, not would not classify it as a dark comedy. Oh, and it's a male protagonist. Male protagonist, yep. All right, what are some road trip movies just to kind of get thinking? The movie Road Trip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good Probably one. not the one that he's thinking of, but. Probably not. Because <laughs> um, truthfully, I would have thought Little Miss Sunshine or like National Lampoon. But if there's no kids, then that nixes those ideas. It could be National Lampoon. If they're old enough. 
I would consider them to be children actors. Okay, like okay. I know like the eighties played fast and loose with the age that age. they cast people as <laughs> like high school yeah. students. I would consider them children still. I'm gonna laugh if it's like a movie that neither of us have actually seen too. I'm like... fairly certain one or both of you have seen this, and I know for a fact that both of you know enough about this movie to identify it for sure. Even if you'd not seen it. <laughs> now I kind of want it since we're losing questions. More questions like, than a guess. Like I kind of feel like maybe we should narrow the years a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to see. I feel like I really like there's a key plot point that would probably help. Yeah. I, like I want to know what the conflict is, but I don't know how to make that a yes or no question. Uh like what what's the impetus of the what what's driving the road trip? Yeah. yeah. It sounds like I would we're say, gonna kick ourselves when we find out. I would say like instead of trying to focus on like guessing it, like Use the information that you have now um, to try to like narrow in the scope a little bit. And I think that'll help you like, hmm. like don't fall into the trap of like trying to feel like you have to like come up with like what movie it could be now. Like, I think you got four questions and a guess, like try to narrow the beam a little bit more. Do you wanna, I, I don't know why I have this gut feeling it's a 2010s movie. Okay. Should I ask that? Sure. Okay. This movie come out in the 2010s. Double checking, but I don't believe so. No. Okay, but it's close. Aha. Hmm. Over under. <laughs> so that's question 16. Mm. Will knows the perfect question to ask next. <laughs> no pressure. Um, <laughs> is there a yeah? <laughs> Is there a flamethrower? No, kidding. That's not my question. <laughs> it's really not. <laughs> I liked your idea about trying to figure out like what the purpose was of why uh -huh. they're going on the trip, but how to ask that in a way that actually sort of gives us the information that we need rather than just trying to ask like, something even something specific seems almost difficult to try and pin down but for a comedy man okay well the two, mm. two reasons people usually go on a trip right are like yeah. in a movie at least are in search of something or fleeing yeah. something yeah I don't know if we can structure a question then again it's a comedy it could just be a joyride so i don't know i don't know could ask if they're fleeing from something mm. or if the reason for the trip is like an inanimate object or if the reason for the trip is a person or um <laughs> do you mind if i ask if the reason for the trip is an inanimate object go for it please do it <laughs> is the reason for the trip an inanimate object chris it is not mm. it's question 17 yeah. two more and a guess yeah my brain is only coming up with dumb questions like, do they wear silly hats or uh, mm. <laughs> do they have Do they get in trouble with the law? <laughs> Does the government come looking for them? <laughs> well, those would have been good questions. <laughs> we still got, We've still got time. <laughs> Chris, do they get in trouble with the law? 
<laughs> Let me uh, check my notes. I'm not entirely sure. But... I just have to be careful how I answer this because so hold one second. For a second, I was like, wait, is this a Barbie movie? But he would have known that came out this year. I wouldn't have had to look it up. To my knowledge, it's been a while since I've seen this. There's no on-screen like interactions with like the law. All right, it's been a while since he's seen this, so that means it was pre 2010s. I'm going to say, but close to the 2010s. So a 90s comedy, <laughs> or or or, or 2000s. Yeah. yeah. So we got one so. more question, right? Yep, and I guess. What's a what's a comedy director from like the? Oh jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. I kind of want to ask if Tina Fey is involved in this movie. <laughs> you know what? At this point, I am I am I'm behind any question that you want to ask. My oh. my advice, my final lifeline to you is I would I would stay away from personnel. Stay away from Tina Fey. Okay. I would stay away from personnel of all kinds and like focus more on plot points and like other stuff <laughs> there's not I a whole lot going on in this movie i'll do a, i'll saying. do a, i'll do a recap for you um just so we can kind of like do it all so yeah. you know that it features a male protagonist it is a comedy <laughs> that is a road comedy um mm-hmm. that does not involve searching for a thing there are no children no shared cast members between oceans 11 and <laughs> what was the other thing that you asked about um <laughs> I don't remember. Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Yeah, there you go. Um, there are elements of darkness to it. Maybe somebody dies or gets murdered, but it's not a major plot point. Romance is not a major plot point, but I would say like there is like, you know, uh, a, a bit of that in the film. Um, the person is not shown getting in trouble with the law, like on the screen of the film. Um. No, not a rom-com. This sounds like a boring movie. <laughs> Just kidding. I, I assure you it's anything but. Um, I want to find out. I'm going to be like, eat your words, Rotondi. I'm thinking about The Hangover for some reason. When did that come out? Oh. <clears throat> uh, can I look? <laughs> I is that a lot or is that cheating? Um, I, I mean, I, I will allow it. I feel like it was long enough ago that it would count. My gut tells me that the first one would have come out. Because, I mean, what? It's been it's been a long time since the third one came out. And there's three of them. So I'm yeah. going to go with... We, we're probably in the ballpark for time. Do you want to ask if it, like... Is ensemble? Or, like, I don't know. How would you phrase it if it's, like... You know, is it following a single protagonist or is it like buddies? I would do on yeah, ensemble cast. Yeah. yeah. Although it's a road trip. Who who takes a solo road trip? Someone who's searching for themselves. Oh. Well, I don't know what to do. You know, when you mentioned the hangover, truthfully, I'm gonna laugh if that's it, especially when Chris said that it's by far not a boring movie. Uh, I know. <laughs> Feel a little bit and like Hannibal it... Lecter, like listening to you guys talk and like losing this out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. 
Because truthfully, I would say that if we have to guess, I would guess that film. But you got one more question to clarify. We do have one more. So I'm kind of tempted to go with your idea, May, and ask if it's an ensemble or if. How about uh, we ask if Vegas is a part of the movie? Why not? Let's go for it. Yeah. Feeling lucky. <laughs> Uh, Chris, Hi, Chris. Is, is, <laughs> is, 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 is Vegas part of the movie? It's not. <gasps> Son of a no! bitch. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we dodged that bullet with a hangover. Yeah. <clears throat> mm. no. All right. No. You have enough to guess the film, I think. No, we don't. Um, <laughs> Is it Marley? If you make or, if you make some yeah. if you make some assumptions, you could potentially get it here. Um, but I need a guess. You do, you know. I do. I know you do. I'm just trying to think of like odds comedies. Uh, Anchorman, right? That came out then. Yeah. That, doesn't have a, that doesn't have a road trip though. Yeah. It? No, I wouldn't it's consider a long time Anchorman to be a, a road trip movie. No. No. Um, is Zoolander. <laughs> <laughs> if it's zoolander <laughs> i will love you for it chris um because that film is amazing however <laughs> um, oh man you know what let's just do it why not if you were, it's not like not zoolander. the direction that we've been it. going in like we just <laughs> This is, don't don't even hold yourself back. Just be like, is is it Zoolander? And I, you know what? I would be happy even if it's wrong, <laughs> because that's a solid that is a solid recommendation, because it fits all of those. I don't. I mean, he did technically go on a trip. He left the coal route. mines, his family <laughs> in the coal mines to go be a male model. So I could see that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Is it Zoolander? <laughs> It is not. It should be. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Are you ready for the reveal? Yep. No, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> All right. So in the year 2006. Okay. I was thinking the right time period. Yeah. Larry Charles, famously of uh, Seinfeld writer fame, directed a mockumentary starring Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, this is Borat. About Borag, no! Borat Sogdiev, <laughs> who goes on a road trip in search of himself. He <laughs> did, yeah. And so although well. he had many confrontations with the law <laughs> off camera, I do not believe there's depicted anything. I think somebody gets eaten by a bear or something like at some point in this movie. So that's, that's why I was death. like, yeah. yeah. Uh, he does reconnect with the sex worker as part of a romantic plot at the end and takes her back to Kazakhstan. Uh, I would say that there are dark elements to this film, particularly about the way of American life and racism and a bunch of other stuff, but Wait, I wouldn't call is, it a... that is a dark comedy, Chris. That, I will fight you. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, I think there's elements of dark comedy. I think if you had to classify this in a subgenre, mockumentary is, like, the first, like, tier of, like, where you would, like, would we all agree on that? I, I don't know. It sounds like there's a little bit of competition. Okay. Here, well, Wikipedia says it's turns mockumentary <laughs> black comedy film. So, um, wait. Oh, uh oh. It says black comedy. What's that? 
It says black comedy though. Yeah, well, that's Wikipedia. That's just one person's opinion, man. Um, Two persons. I, I, I did. <laughs> I did say there. I did say there are elements of black comedy. I feel like I did my best. To, I didn't want to steer you away to like the uh, wrong thing. Like May wants to file a petition. <laughs> <laughs> but in the event, um, <laughs> yes, uh, that's like I was steering you away from cast because I was like, "There's like, there's yeah, no, that not, was smart. Like that's not gonna." I was trying to be nice because. Pamela Anderson is the only person like that. I think that is like recognizable besides Sasha Baron Cohen. Since he mostly interacts with like politicians and like, you know, like real people in the film. So close. Oh man. When you, when you said journey road trip and then went away for a couple questions and came back to it. And then I had to bite my tongue when May was like, who goes on a trip by themselves? And I was just like, oh, you're so close. You're so close. I'm you're sorry. Absolutely- I mocked your idea. Well, it's okay you were correct uh, it's all right yeah <laughs> um i still want it to be zoolander like yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a tough one i got I, I said you guys did very well like um i i didn't pick it to be tricky necessarily but i was like you think you'd have to kind of ask the right questions for sure so i think you guys still did great you got really close Wait, so you, were you saying when we ask dumb questions? Is that is that what you're getting <laughs> no, at? No, you gotta no, ask no. the right question. What do you mean the right questions? <laughs> I I think that you guys. Yeah, Will got... wants to file a petition. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys got very close. Uh, asking, you know, some great questions. It just just fell a little short of the mark. That's all. <laughs> all right, I'm impersonating you next time. I need to subject you to this, Chris. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I offered. Nice. Um, actually no can will and i tag team and you <laughs> sure oh, wow yeah. <laughs> I'll, yeah i'll prove my intellectual superiority in front of the oh world. <laughs> hey oh um, move gotten well done old well move. done both of you um uh, now i'm excited because we get to draw a card to see what we're watching next uh next time which we haven't done in a little bit so nice. what a concept let's see what that film is gonna be all right Ah, it is uh, more than the sum of its parts. It's a will pick. Oh, what? Ah, and <laughs> man, uh, what a great film. It is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, yeah. And May, if you've never seen an Indiana Jones film. I have. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, yeah. you got to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. I think like just like because. Um, I think I've seen all of them, actually. Have you? Okay, nice. fuck yeah. For, All right. Yeah, yeah. For once I've seen a film, Chris. No, it's not <laughs> that. Like I just recognize uh, that like Indiana Jones yeah. like is like it's of a very specific time and era. And like do, though do, they've tried a couple do, times do. to to do like the nostalgia. Um it's been mixed success. Uh, although I did like the most recent one. But uh this yeah, one's great because it's you got the pairing of Sean Connery and um Harrison Ford, which is uh just a lot of fun. So and yeah. I always get a little sad because it's Rivers Phoenix right in the beginning, um, plays young Indiana Jones, um, uh-huh. and it's just you get a little glimpse of what could have been because he was, yeah. uh, was a hell of a actor. But uh, I'm excited to watch this. I haven't seen it in a little bit. I think the last time I saw this was at the drive-in for Sunray during the pandemic when like we were trying to find ways to make things normal and like even the cars were like socially distancing at the drive-in. <laughs> um, and it was cool you know it was like i i, I think it, like well me in particular i was just dying to have like a movie going experience like out in public so bad that it felt like a really nice normal thing to do um uh, will since this was your pick 
I'm sure we'll get all into it um, next week in terms of why you nominated it for more than some of its parts, like in great detail. But uh, why this one out of like, just give us your quick elevator pitch for, um, you know, Indiana Jones films, because I think a lot of them are are pretty decent, especially that first one. So why this over Raiders? Because it's got Sean Connery. Uh-huh. I mean, if we're if we're comparing it over Raiders, it's because of Connery. Okay. Um, I think it's got. I mean, don't get me wrong. The film, the the scores in the first three movies, even the second one, even if you hated Temple of Doom, like John Williams is the man, and so the music is phenomenal. Um, and I think everybody just decided they wanted to watch Nazis get punched in the face some more and shot. So it was like, all right. Here we go. But I I think for me too, I think the um the supernatural elements of it are just also like uh, I'm trying to think about the best way to explain it, but I like the supernatural elements. I like the action sequences. I love the chemistry with Connery and I love the music. So that's my elevator pitch. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Like I said, I know like next week's episode will be all about getting into the nitty gritty but uh i had to ask like just as a little teaser at least like um because oh, yeah. i i know like the gut reaction a lot of people might have is like well raiders of the lost ark obviously like you know and uh i i think like those movies are equal in my eyes and uh, for all the reasons that you named so i'm very excited to watch this yeah and you're kind of addressed appropriately it's like you. Predicted- i was gonna say i'm just gonna wear the same <laughs> outfit the next time for those of you watching our youtube video um the leather jacket and the the hat will be back so yeah, awesome. <laughs> well thank you both for another exciting season of scream quests i very much appreciate it we will be back to our regular scheduled programming for november i am going to put those cards into the deck as promised finally and then, of course, we'll be back for some holiday films um, in December. In the meantime, you can find us at uh, X on at Screen Quest Pod. And we appreciate all of your love and support wherever you watch or listen. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.